beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome friends to this episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast. I'm so glad you are here today. I'm so glad you pressed play. On today's episode, we are really going to get back to some of the roots of this show. So the last couple of months, we've talked a lot around the ideas and themes in my new book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. We've had a few departures, but a lot of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is these themes of friendship and connection and sharing that I've put into my book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. The book is a direct extension of this show. So that felt really natural to talk about that as I was launching it. I hope that you have bought it. I hope that you have read it. I hope that you have sent copies to your friends because what I'm really hoping from the book is that it will foster meaningful connection between people especially right now when it is so apparent that so many of us need it. After a year that has been hard and complicated and quite the roller coaster, because now here we are in March 2021, 
It was exactly a year ago when the COVID-19 global pandemic really started to shake up our world for most of us. Yes, the pandemic was already here, but March is when our lives really started to change, in America at least. Schools shut down, workplaces shut down, we were told to wear masks. There was so much fear and uncertainty in the beginning. And as we come up upon the year anniversary of this time, a time that has stretched on so much longer than most of us were ready for, prepared for, because who could have ever prepared for this wildly unprecedented thing. But I can tell from my social media feeds and from my real life relationships, and of course, just my inner self, I can tell that we are weary. And it's not the first time that we've become weary. I feel like there have been these certain marks along the way. Like I feel like there was a heaviness back in the summer. I feel like there was a different sort of fatigue and anger and uncertainty in the fall. And then now here we are at the year mark. And it's just a lot. It's just a lot for a lot of people. And so today, I want us to talk through 10 questions. You can think of these as conversation starters. You can think of these as journal prompts. But 10 questions that we are going to ask ourselves after one year of a global pandemic. I do these episodes every now and again, and I really love them. I really love to see you answering the questions, you know, one or four or all 10 on social media. I love it when you send me a message that told me that you went around at your family dinner table and answered the questions and had a really great conversation, that you took the questions to date night and felt a real connection with your partner, whether that's a new romance or a longtime old one. I really love these episodes where we have 10 sort of actionable moments, 10 actual questions that you can answer either with others or just to yourself in your own head while you take a walk, in your journal, however you choose to engage with it. What we are doing is stopping down and marking the time by answering these questions, by hearing one another's answers, by forcing ourselves to say or write something out loud that maybe we've been stuffing down, or maybe we didn't even know we were thinking, that's what these episodes are meant to do. And if you're newer to the show, let me just tell you quickly that some recent past episodes that also asked 10 questions, the most recent one was episode 95, 10 questions for the end of the year. They're a little bit specific to 2020, which is obviously a very unusual year, but you could take those 10 questions and actually ask them at the end of anything, really. Episode 88 was 10 prompts for this historic moment. This released around the time of the election, a little bit before, and obviously about six months into the pandemic. So you could adjust them to the time period now, but they are still very relevant. And then episode 76 was from the end of last summer. And those were 10 questions to ask yourself in the middle of anything. Obviously, we were close to the middle of the year when this episode came out, but it works in the middle of anything. If you're in the middle of a transition, if you're in the middle of a season, of a relationship, 10 questions to ask yourself in the middle of anything is episode 76. So now today we are asking ourselves 10 questions after one year of a global pandemic. 
I'm also very aware, just so, so aware, that this topic, these prompts, they are going to look really pretty different depending on where you live. In some ways, as I witnessed all of this over the last year, being in Los Angeles, where we have gone in and out of really pretty strict lockdown, where we haven't had our children in school for over a year, where we've had very long stretches of time, months, where we didn't have restaurants open. I can see very clearly from my social media feed that we are not having the same pandemic as other regions of the country. And I realize that everyone is going to feel that way. No matter where they are, their experience is going to be different. It's not always regional either. This could be a very different conversation if you're a medical worker, if you have been in the medical field in the last year, if you have a condition that makes you extra vulnerable, and so you have had to be vigilant about your lockdown, or you live with someone who is extra vulnerable, those are all factors that are going to change the way that you answer these questions or think about this time as compared to someone else. And so that's something to think about just as you're having this conversation, as you're thinking about it for yourself, we're answering these questions for ourselves. That's always the point of these episodes. But if you happen to do these prompts with someone in a different situation than you are regionally or because of their job or because of their health or something like that, this might make for a really good chance for you to sort of see one another and be able to share what your experience was like and how it was different. So I am really interested to see where these prompts go as you can use them over the next month whenever you know, it makes sense for you to sit down and answer them or to start a really good conversation. You know, last year on social media, as things were just really starting to lock down, I really encouraged people to document this time, whether it was on social media or just with photos on your phone or in your journal. And if you were doing it on social media, I wanted people to use the hashtag one day CV. This was a take on my one day HH challenge that I host every year, one day hour by hour to sort of see what a day in the life looks like for us every single year. This was an unusual event that was happening. And so I called it one day CV for coronavirus just to give us a place to share what it looked for us day by day. And I posted in that hashtag, I documented our family's life for several months. Eventually, I did sort of taper off. It felt like it was getting a little redundant in that things were kind of Groundhog Day around here for a while. And now, of course, because it always happens this way, I do wish that I had documented it a little bit more consistently. Now, I did take pictures throughout. I have journaled. I have used this podcast as a place to share what our life has looked like in the last year. So it's not that I don't have documentation, but looking back, I do wish I had taken my own advice all the way through and really kept it up because what a year it has been, right? What a year. So that leads us right into question one. So let's just start with the 10 prompts. The first one, number one, is what was life like one year ago today. So what I'm looking for there, what I'm sort of trying to get our brains spinning on and talking about is what did life look like just before this started to affect all of us? Like what did our sort of normal days look like in January, February, maybe early March of 2020? I would tell you that in our family life, we were 
busy, busy, busy. The kids went to school every day, all day, which I can't believe I even said that because it's just like such a normal occurrence, except now it's not. But that's what life looked like. On every weekday, the kids were gone all day to school. They had activities many days after school, sports, etc. I had just turned in my first draft of my book to the publisher. And my husband, Jeff, was gearing up to start shooting a movie, a movie that was going to start shooting in March. And so at the beginning of 2020, our family was in a real season of go, go, go. But it was a happy go, go, go. My career was really moving forward. Jeff was excited to make his movie. The kids were growing and becoming more independent. And then, of course, all of that came to a screeching halt in mid-March. But in this first prompt, what was life like one year ago today? Obviously, as we are making note of what life looked like 12 months ago, we're also thinking just naturally, we're contrasting it to what would then happen later in the year and how it looks now. So just thinking about what life looked like one year ago today, how often we went out to eat, how easily we did very normal life activities, going to the movie, going to the mall, going to Target, taking quick trips, being spontaneous without fear, having a lovely social life where we could hug friends and sit close together at the table, at a restaurant or in someone else's home, just very normal things that... It's hard to even say took for granted because we didn't even know that it was something to take for granted. It was life just clipping along. And so I think back to that time before we knew what we were about to know. And I want to remember some of those details. I want to remember what those days looked like for better and for worse. So that is the first prompt and something that will just get your juices flowing for what your family life, your work life, your social life looked like just before everything changed. And then that will take us very easily to question number two. What was the biggest change? What has been the biggest change in the last year? For me, the most obvious answer there, I'm sure it's going to be similar for some of you, is we have all been at home for a long time now. Like it's suddenly we were all at home for months and months. The kids didn't go to school. There were no activities. There were no social outings. There were no restaurants. There was no work outside of the home. So the biggest change that happened in our life was suddenly everyone was at home. This was the biggest change we had to make. There were other changes that sort of fell along those same lines, just in terms of meals and cooking and general family rhythms, this introvert suddenly having to deal with never being alone. That was a huge change for me, like in a mental health way, in a work way, in a housekeeping way. You know, suddenly we were all home eating every meal here with never a chance to reset. So I felt like our house got dirty and cluttered and chaotic pretty quickly, which contributed to the way we felt in general, of course, but all of those sort of little things, those little details that I do want to remember, I do want to write down, or I do want to talk through with my family as we're going through these prompts together, remembering the last year, but it all really boils down to, for us, the biggest change was suddenly all being at home. 
Of course, there are lots of other answers for this. Your biggest change might have to do with your health. It might have to do with loss. It might have to do with financial changes. It might have to do with a physical move if you relocated at some time in the last year. If something really changed directions, I continue to hear stories from friends and just online about what this has shook up for people and what it has made them realize. If they realized they were unhappy in their career, if they were unhappy in their marriage, if they were unhappy in their house, or maybe the root of it wasn't unhappiness. Maybe it was more about just suddenly having clarity that you wanted a different direction in some way. So that's question number two, and it could take lots of different directions. There's not just only one answer, even for yourself on this. You might have a big change that was internal, and you might have a big change that was external, that was circumstantial or something that changed on the outside that may or may not be relevant to whatever was going on with you on the inside. So number two asks, what was the biggest change? With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, com and use code U, Y-O-U. Okay, question number three. What were your coping mechanisms? So this question can be as light or as heavy as you want to take it, or maybe a mixture of both because probably most of us have some kind of both answer to this one. But what were your coping mechanisms? Did you binge watch Netflix for hours and hours on end? Did you stress eat? Did you journal like a mad woman? Did you doom scroll? That's what I did. I mean, I sort of did all of these, but all of us have different coping mechanisms, healthy and unhealthy. I like documenting it here and I made it one of these questions because we can learn so many things from our coping mechanisms. First of all, just speaking something out loud makes you more mindful of it and maybe makes you pay attention to it in a way that you have been ignoring. So let's say, for example, that you started drinking more heavily or more regularly than you ever had before because it's very stressful and we're all stuck at home, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you told yourself that it was fine because we were in a pandemic, but then now here we are and you're like, yeah, I really need to rein that in. I really need to get control of that thing that I know isn't good for me. And now it has been a really long time, months and months that I have been using that as a coping mechanism. I also think on the lighter side of this question, 
is it might be culturally and historically interesting to look back on how we dealt with this time. So if your coping mechanism was to fall down a YouTube rabbit hole on some very specific niche thing, that will probably be interesting or funny to you years in the future. You know, when the memes about 2020, I mean, there already are memes about 2020, but when the memes of this time or whatever their equivalent will be in the future come out, what kind of thing will you relate to? You know, it could also be that you like wore pajamas for... Weeks and weeks and weeks. You didn't wear real pants. You got addicted to a video game. I mean, I don't know. There's just so many options here. But what are your coping mechanisms? I think that it is interesting to talk them through from all sorts of angles. In some ways, you can maybe have a bit of gratitude for the things that got you through this time. The TV shows, the podcasts, baking or Xbox or, you know, I don't know, whatever. Maybe you're coming at those coping mechanisms from a place of gratitude. Maybe you're coming, like I already said, as a place of, okay, now I need to really adjust. Or maybe you're coming from simply a place of curiosity, like, huh, isn't that interesting? Especially if you're talking about this with someone else and just sort of hearing what their coping mechanisms are. It's just a insight into our psyches. And, you know, if someone had told us ahead of time, if we had looked into our future and known that we were going to have to stop down for almost a full year or more than a full year of our lives and for many of us to be homebound, I think that we would have predicted that we might have acted differently than we have. And so just from a place of curiosity, I wanted to ask this one. Number three is, what were your coping mechanisms? Number four is something you know is going to be near and dear to my heart, something I'm really going to want you to examine and be honest about. Number four is, what did connection in your relationships look like? What was your main point of connection and how did that look? This can be with the people you share a bed with, or this can be people on the other end of your screen. What did connection look like for you? This might even be connection in a form that you have never experienced before or never put words to before. So I heard someone talking about, or or I saw on social media, somebody saying that they felt like that the podcast that they listened to or, or the people that they followed on social media that they didn't actually know in real life, but that they felt like they were closer to those people in the last year than some of their quote unquote real relationships. And I just thought this was an interesting note. Like if you feel like the people who have kept you company in your earbuds or on your screens, what did that look like for you? I just think it's really interesting thing to talk about. And then connection with the people in your house, was it over connection? Did you sort of struggle after a while to have anything new to say to one another? Did you get tired with one another? Did it build a deeper bond or did something break within you? What did connection in your relationships look like? What did your friendships look like? We've talked a ton about friendships recently and it's just so important to just be thinking about what connection and friendship looked like for you in the last year and just whatever your situation is with a variety of different people, if you felt like 
your connection was strong, if you talked every day, if you feel like you didn't talk for six months, but you're going to be able to pick right back up because that's the type of relationship you have or just because everyone is maybe extending more grace than they would in a normal life situation where if you didn't talk for six months, it would be super weird. But in this bizarro land, not talking for months at a time might just be a symptom of the fact that you're both just treading water and trying to get through the day and trying to get through this season. And when things return to a little bit of normalcy, so will your relationship. That is completely worth noting. And you might have a hundred different answers for this. You know, I know a lot of people who are used to seeing their parent really regularly. They live, you know, within a close distance to one another, but then because they were protecting an older generation and protecting their health, they didn't see their parents for long periods of time or they only saw them from, you know, a really safe distance and outside. And it's just not the normal connection that you have with your mom or your dad or a grandparent or whoever. And so you either had to get creative in how you were connecting on FaceTime or Zoom or sitting in the porch or the driveway, or you're feeling a sadness because you really weren't able to connect in this time when you were trying to be careful. So lots of different ways to answer this, of course, but you knew I was going to talk about relationships, right? You knew I was going to talk about connection. And so as always, this is just a place to make note without judgment, but just acknowledging what kind of connections worked, what kind didn't, what friendships look like now, if some of those friendships that fell away, if they will be able to pick right back up, or maybe they'll have fallen away for forever. You're never going to reconnect with those people that this showed people who their priorities were. It let them out of tangly relationships, maybe that we all endure in just regular life. And this has been like, you know what? I never have to call that person again now. We've we've had this thing happen and it is making for a convenient break. There's just lots of ways that we can think about connection in our relationships over the last year and what it meant or didn't mean. If it's deep, if more grace needs to be asked for or given, it's definitely one of the biggest questions on this list. And that was number four. What did connection in your relationships look like? Okay, number five. Kind of a broad one, but something that is definitely worth talking through and noting for the record. Number five is, what will you remember most? So for me and our family, this is going to tie back to the answer to number two, what was the biggest change? Because the answer there was that we were all home all the time. That is what I will remember most. I will remember our family movie nights, which we were not doing with any kind of regularity until now suddenly we watch movies and TV shows together all the time. And that has been a huge joy. I will remember eating lunch together every day, which was obviously not a regular occurrence in our household prior to this. The kids usually ate lunch at school. My husband usually ate lunch at work. I most of the time ate lunch by myself prior to the pandemic. And then suddenly, seven days a week, we had three meals a day together. (laughs) I will really remember that. We spent a lot of time in the kitchen and around the table. There are things that now are even already starting to fade a little bit, but that's why we do exercises like this so that I can remember that one of the things I will remember most happened at the beginning of the pandemic. In the earliest months, it didn't feel like the beginning. It felt like we were really in it. But now, of course... That was just a tiny sliver of time, April and May of last year, when it felt really heavy and scary. I remember going to the grocery store here in LA 
and we had to wait in line outside. They didn't have like music playing or anything inside the store, so it was quiet. Everyone's eyes were fearful behind their mask. We couldn't read faces for the first time. It was hard to read body language. There was just a lot of fear. And I will remember that deeply, and I never want to forget what that felt like because it was like a really big time in my whole life to remember what Los Angeles, my home city, how quiet it was, how there was no traffic. There weren't people outside exercising and laughing and just, you know, the sounds of a city that we're all so used to, that was gone for a few months. It was it was so quiet here and hard and sad and in a coincidence of weather, in the earliest days of the pandemic, we actually went through like a three-week rainy period, which of course is unusual for Los Angeles for it to be rain and dreary for like three weeks. And so that was really ominous for the millions of us in LA who are used to sunny, warm, the days that are the background of our life. The weather too changed during this really hard, scary thing that was happening outside of us. And I won't ever forget that, but I want to mark that time and say it here and write it in my journal because it's already starting to fade a little bit when it was so acute when it was happening and I thought I would never, ever forget it. So that's number five. What will you remember most? And you might answer that of what it felt like in your home with your family. You might answer that from a place of loneliness. You might answer that from what your work life felt like or what your city felt like your emotions, your logistics, lots of ways to answer this one, like all of these, but try to jot down from every area. It's not just going to be one answer. Try to make some notes or bring up in the conversation things from all of these different areas of number five, what will you remember most? Number six, I don't like to harp on hard things in these exercises, but you just cannot go through an exercise like this about a pandemic, about this historic time, and not ask what was the biggest challenge. There are so many to name here. Again, like all of these, it might be emotional, it might be financial or relational. Let's talk about all of those things. What was the biggest challenge for you personally, for your family, in your job? It might be something that feels a little bit surfacey, might even to the point of feeling shallow, like what I mentioned about we had to really change how we lived in our house. We're actually still struggling with that a year later with so much mess and clutter and livingness happening in our house all the time, more than this house usually gets used. Every appliance broke for us in the spring. If you follow me on social media, you might have remembered that my washer flooded not once, but twice. We had to replace our dishwasher our fridge went out. So we were without a fridge for weeks because there was like a manufacturing back order when factories and things had closed down. And so we lived for weeks and weeks without a main fridge. I certainly wouldn't call that the biggest challenge. We had a backup solution. But just when I'm thinking of the various challenges over the last year, some of that stuff really comes to mind. A huge challenge for me was also trying to edit my book and go through the editing process, which is really, really rigorous. And it was my first book, so I didn't really know what I was doing. It was emotional and a ton of pressure. That was a huge challenge for me. In fact, that might be my number one answer almost for what was the biggest challenge besides my introvert self never being alone. That was a big personal challenge. But 
trying to edit this book to the best of my ability and then of course launch it and all the promo stuff and marketing and the meetings and all of those things that went along with it for what was the biggest career event of my whole entire life, putting out my first book, on a personal level, that was a huge challenge for me to be doing it under these circumstances that I wasn't expecting. Of course, there were also emotional challenges. It was hard to be away from family. There were worries. There were stresses. There's a lot of challenge behind the scenes in everyone's life. But don't be afraid as you're working through some of this for some of the answers to not be like the deepest, most soul-searching thing you've ever said. You might have that, but it also might have been a huge pill for you to swallow that you, I don't know, couldn't get your hair colored or something for a long time because salons were closed because it felt unsafe to go out. And suddenly you had a head full of gray hair and that feels vain and shallow to you, but it really was like sort of a thing you had to reckon with about yourself and identity and vanity and what matters and all of those things. So there's just going to be layers to what the challenges looked like. And some of them might seem silly on the outside, but it mattered to you. And then some might be deeper. And then of course, you know, we're all going to have those. But the point of this is to be honest. The point of this is to document this. And so answer what your true answer is. What the biggest challenge was is going to look different for a lot of us and we're going to have different layers. So number six is what was the biggest challenge? Okay, number seven. We're going to make a wide swing here. Number seven is name a beautiful memory from the last year. We've talked about challenges. We've talked about what we remember. We've talked about relationships and connection and changes. Now let's name with specificity a beautiful memory from the last year. Surely you have one. Hopefully you have hundreds because amidst all this hardship, I do hope that there has been a chance for some kind of beautiful memory to come through. Even if it's over a screen, of course, that can be a beautiful memory too. One of my favorite memories from the last year was over a Zoom screen, and I'll never forget it. Naming a beautiful memory from the last year can be fun, first of all, but it also reminds us that it wasn't all bad. Of course it wasn't, that there were some good things to come from this time that there was beauty, that there was fun. Recapping those can put you in a place of gratitude, can reframe sort of certain ideas if you can really be down on yourself. Naming a beautiful memory can kind of reset your, your brain or your heart. And also it's just nice to document those things. I do notice that when I am journaling or talking about the last year, even if I pepper in the good things, of which there were many, there were good memories in our family and in our personal life, of course, but a lot of times it becomes easier in some ways to focus on what was hard, what were times of tension, what we never want to go through again, like those types of things, which are important to name. But I definitely want to take some minutes this month and write, even if it's just a bullet list in my journal of my favorite, most beautiful memories from the last year, starting with the earliest weeks of lockdown, Until now, still, beautiful memories that will be logged there along with talking about challenges, along with talking about like the historical nature of all of this. Also, just personal, beautiful memories are so important to stay in touch with. And now number eight, question number eight, what do you believe now that you didn't a year ago? 
or depending on how your answer is, you know, you might rework that question to be, what do you not believe now that you did a year ago? Listen, I don't even know where to start on this question, but I really do want to think about it and write some things out about it. There are so many ways that we could answer this question. It might be public health. It might be politics. It might be something about our relationships, our work life. Some might be something about our own inner peace or confidence. It might be about God. It might be something on the lighter side. It might be a foundation rocking topic. But number eight asks, what do you believe now that you didn't a year ago? For me, this year has been a crash course and a lot of things I had not thought too much about. I didn't know a lot about viruses, to be honest with you. I didn't know anything about pandemics. There are for sure some political beliefs that shifted pretty radically in the last year. There's 100% things that I believe about people in my life differently now that I couldn't have known a year ago. And of course, there are things about myself, my own inner strength and weakness and peace and work ethic and parenting and lots of things that I believe now about myself, about my relationships and about who I would be in a crisis and who I am not in a crisis, things that I believe about myself now that I didn't a year ago, or things I no longer believe that a year ago I did. This is probably the most fascinating question on the whole list. I would love it if this would be one that you answered on social media. If you do, make sure you tag the show at 10 Things to Tell You so that we can see it. But this is really something to give some journal time to, some meditation time to, or just have a really meaty great conversation around this question. What do you believe now that you didn't a year ago? And it lends itself nicely to number nine. Number nine is what would you do differently next time? Listen, I know this is a weird question. I hope that there is never a next time. I don't really think there is going to be a next time. So it's not necessarily about the pandemic itself in terms of like COVID-19 coronavirus, but what would you do differently next time in a crisis or in an emergency or when the whole world shifts or changes? Is there something that you wish you had done? Do you have regrets? Would you think about it differently? Maybe you didn't care as much about virus transmission as you should have or the opposite. Maybe you went to an extreme that ultimately shook out in a way that was not how you would do it next time. You know, some of this is is hindsight and there's no way we could have known how long this would go on or how strict your region would be or what was going to happen, who was going to get sick, who wasn't going to get sick. On and on, there's a hundred things, a million things that we didn't know, couldn't have predicted. We were all sort of working with the best information that we had at the time. So this question isn't meant to, you know, rock you back on your heels of regret or anything like that. It's just like... If there is a next time, not a pandemic, but in some way, our personal worlds, homes, relationships shift really radically or on a bigger global scale, something really huge happens, how will we be? Will we speak out more? Will we speak out less? Will we reach out to friends? Will we go dark? Jeff and I talked a hundred times about if we had had any idea how long this was going to go on, we probably would have left Los Angeles 
we might have handled some of those decisions to stay or go, ultimately, we might have handled them differently. Again, we couldn't have known, but next time, will we hesitate as much? Maybe not. Next time, we might not play a wait-and-see game, if you will. This is all just theoretical. This is all just wishful thinking in some ways of like, okay, well, adjusting how we make decisions, even when we're working with the best information available to us at the time, it's all just a, a theory game. But I think that it is nice and helpful to just, especially if you're talking through this one, as opposed to journaling it, of wondering how you made certain decisions, if they were the right ones or not. Would we choose different coping mechanisms if we knew how long this was going to go on or if we got a chance to have a do-over? Number nine is, what would you do differently next time? And as you're asking yourself this or having a conversation with this, give yourself grace, give others grace, know that for the most part, most of us are doing the best we can at any given time, but still, it's a healthy exercise asking yourself what you would do differently next time. And then number 10, finally, here we are. Number 10, the last question in 10 questions to ask yourself after a year of the pandemic. What will you carry forward? When you get to this question, you will have talked through challenges and beautiful moments and resets and how things changed and how you would do it differently and your memories and your connections. Once you've sussed through all of that, You can't help to get to number 10 and ask yourself, what will you carry forward? What of this time do you want to take with you? It hasn't all been rubble, right? Of course it hasn't. In our family, this time together has been absolutely priceless to be just the four of us. I want to carry forward some of the habits and memories and just joy that we found in some really mundane, easy to do things like watching movies and taking underwater pictures and our clothes in the pool and game nights and cooking and playing with the dog. And like, I mean, we do a lot of those things, but the mindset is really different now. And I want to carry that forward as my kids get older, as we approach the teenage years, I want to carry forward what it looks like for just the four of us to be just the four of us. I also want to carry forward some of my work stuff. I mean, I don't know what part of this I might have learned without a pandemic from editing the book and then launching the book, continuing to do this show, hiring help for the very first time, which I talked about on the end of your episode. Some of those things really had not a lot to do with the pandemic necessarily, but because I was doing them all at home in the middle of the pandemic, it's hard for me to separate them. And so what I want to carry forward is some of the work habits that I developed under strenuous circumstances, you know, with my children downstairs doing school, with my husband downstairs on a conference call, when I was tired and stressed and had to do the work anyway, like some of those things I want to carry forward as circumstances even out as I start to get my alone time back or get my work schedule back on a different track now that the book's out, as kids return to school, I want to carry some of those work lessons forward. We've talked about friendship a ton lately on the podcast. And, you know, I made some real missteps in my own friendships in the last year. But there's also been some real beauty in some of my friendships. And so I want to take both those lessons and those memories. I want to carry those forward. I will never forget those things. 
So you tell me, this would actually be another wonderful one to post on social media, is question number 10. What will you carry forward from this time? I can't wait to hear what your answers are on that one. So those are the 10 questions to ask yourself after a year of the pandemic. I hope that this sparks great conversation, a really good journal session. It might take you a few different talks or times of sitting down with your notebook to get through all 10 questions in a way that feels good and right. But I'm going to be doing this over the whole month of March, actually, because this is sort of where I think of the pandemic starting for our family was in March of 2020. And I just have so many things that I want to write down or say out loud about our time together at home, Los Angeles as a city, work and friendship, and what was hard and what was really special. So I hope that this sparks the same kind of thought in you. Remember, if you choose to post about this on social, and I hope that you do, please tag the show at 10 Things to Tell You. As always, the show notes with all the questions are available at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And if you like answering 10 questions, then you will most certainly like my new book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, 10 Questions to Take Your Friendships to the Next Level where each chapter, there are 10 chapters, each chapter asks a big question similar to these, or sort of the same idea of these, only about you and your life path. The book is available everywhere now. All your favorite online retailers will have it. You can special order it from independent bookstores if you'd like. The audiobook is me reading it to you. And I appreciate all of you who have read it and shared it over the last month. It has meant so, so much to me to have this podcast spark that book and then for it to be in the world. I truly feel like we are doing this together. So thank you for listening. We will never forget the last year, the global pandemic of COVID-19. It is something we will never forget in all of our lifetimes. But as we hit the year mark, I just want to make sure and document those things that, believe it or not, will fade over time. So thanks for listening, everyone. Now go share something. just listen to the 10 things to tell you podcast you can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10 things to tell slash podcast and you can follow us on facebook and instagram at 10 things to tell you remember this is an interactive podcast i have 10 things to tell you and you have 10 things to tell so take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.